Well, this morning I've really felt for some time to share with you a word that the Lord's been stirring in my heart, and the word is on identity. It's such an important topic at this time, identity. Who am I? What am I? And, and I, I'm just going to pray right now. Holy Spirit, you're here and you want to speak to your people. And this is such an important topic on identity and who you say that we are, what you say that we are. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that your presence would be so evident and that our hearts would be open to you. Amen. And that the technology will work. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> who am I? What am I? It seems to be so fluid these days and so subjective. But there is actually a definition. And the definition of identity is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. A name or a fact about a person. In the beginning, God created male and female in his own image. He created them. And we see that's verse 27 says, let us make mankind in our image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And verse 31, we see that God looked at his creation and he said, it is very good. He created animals, male and female. He created the animals and he did a great job of them. And he asked Adam of his creation, to label, to, to name, to identify these animals. What a fun job. He looked at this shaggy, furry animal with four legs and a wagging tail and floppy ears and a wet nose, and he said, mmm, dog. <laughs> what a fun job looking at all of the animals. And this past week, actually, a conversation in our car with my, my soon-to-be this week 13. We're going to have two teenagers in the house. Micah, he's in year seven. He was talking about his science class and how in science they're learning this acronym, Mrs. Gren, to learn how to uh, memorise, how to tell if something is living or non-living. And Mrs. Gren helps them to remember, does it move? Does it respirate? Does it have senses? These things are based on fact. But for ourselves... We identify ourselves in many different ways. We identify ourselves not just within the five kingdoms and whether, you know, um, scientifically, but we identify ourselves based on things like our nationality, our ethnicity, our gender, our socioeconomic background. We identify ourselves even via a disability, if we were born with a disability, or even we can identify ourselves whether we're a believer or a non-believer. We identify with our faith. And since I was a young girl, I have gone to many different things to seek my identity. And one of these was the mirror, to see myself and to see who I was, to identify myself. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? And as I looked back at the mirror, I saw I wasn't the fairest of them all. I wasn't the prettiest of them all. I was too tall, too fat, too freckle-faced. As I looked at the mirror to tell me my identity, I didn't like what I saw. I saw my imperfections. And when we go to ourselves for our identity, we get our identity by what we see. Now, the problem is when 
we go to ourselves and look in the mirror at me to define ourselves, we are not pretty enough, thin enough, buff enough, short enough, tall enough. We're not enough and we reject ourselves. Over time, I've gone to other things as well, and I know you are with me. Sometimes we can go to our emotions. If I feel good, I must be good. If I feel bad, I must be bad. If I feel angry, if I feel hurt, if I feel bad, if I feel hopeless, if I feel different, I'm not like all the other girls. I'm different. And we go to get our identity by what we feel. But the problem is that if I'm feeling hopeless and I'm feeling inadequate, I feel dumb, I feel numb, I feel like I'm nothing, I reject myself. We also go to other places to get our identity. And I know I have gone to this place, and that is to other people. Even from a young age, the significance of our mother, our father and grandparents telling us if we can do it, we feel like I can do it. They tell us who we are, what we're capable of and we believe. But on the other side, if they tell us that we're not the smart one, that we're the black sheep, that we're dumb, unwanted, hated, we form our identity on what they say and as we get older in our teen years we can form it on our friends opinions and what they say their words and our teachers and a coach and as we go into adulthood perhaps we base it on the words of a spouse people we love people we respect a boss a leader to tell us who we are and this is getting our identity by what we hear The problem is that when we go to people to get our identity, they will, what they say when they criticise us, when they put us down, if we're not selected or if they don't say the right things, then we feel rejected. Another place that we can go to is our career. Well, I'm a football player. This is who I am. I'm an architect. I'm an accountant, I'm an academic, I'm a housewife. We can get our identity, our sense of responsibility, our obligations, our, pre our pressures. This includes ministry. I'm a worship leader, I'm a connect leader, I'm a pastor. When we go to our career or our ministry, we get our identity from what we do. The problem is when we let our career or our ministry define us, these things can change in a moment. I'm a footy player and I get tackled and I'm out and I no longer have my career and my significance. That can be any job. You can lose a job in a moment and we lose our worth, our value, because our identity is tied up in our career. Even as a connect group leader, if your identity is wrapped up on being a connect group leader, you just have to have a few people leave your connect group and you feel that rejection. Romans 1 says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. 
And this is what we've been doing. There is a problem. There is a problem when we go to the created rather than the creator. There is a result that happens when we go to the creation instead of going to the creator. We feel rejection. We've got to stop going to the creation and start going to the creator. Romans 1.25 says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen? I must get my identity by King Jesus. I must go to him and I must exchange the things that I have gone to for my identity and I must go to King Jesus. The king of all kings, the king who created this whole universe, the king who was there in our mother's womb when we were knit together and formed, the king that descended onto this earth and lived a perfect life, a sinless life, the king that loved and yet he was rejected and despised, yet he still sacrificed and gave up his life, the king who was crucified, the king who died and was buried in a grave, the king that resurrected three days later, and the king who rose from the dead is seated in glory, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is King Jesus that we must go to. And I was reading in 1 Peter, this is a a, a letter that was written by Peter. Now Peter, he was one of the 12 disciples who was around the servant king for three years, all the time. This is Peter, who was one of the 12 apostles who established a movement of Christianity in the Roman ruled world at the time. He wrote this letter at about 63 AD and he wrote it to Jewish Christians who were getting persecuted by their Jewish friends and family and they were being persecuted by their neighbours. They were suffering persecution because of their identity in Christ. They identified as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Their personal pronouns were Sister Phoebe and Brother Saul. They were despised by their pagan neighbours. The Roman ruler Nero no longer tolerated them because, but persecuted them because of their identity. And this letter, this letter that we're going to dive into today, 1 Peter 2, was written to encourage the believers. And he's encouraging them not to go to the world to find their identity, but to come to Christ. Let's have a look in verse 4. He's saying to them, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You are coming to Christ, not to yourself in the mirror, not to your emotions, not to the people around you, not to your career or your ministry. You are coming to King Jesus. You might say, I came to Christ in 1976. Well, we want to say, I am coming to Christ every day. This verb that is used, the word coming in the Greek is prosurchamai. And it means drawing near to God, either to hear him speak or to come into his presence. 
to come near to him continually, to be in his presence continually, to worship him continually. In the Old Testament, there was only one place you could worship in the temple. And it was only for the priests. It was exclusive. And you had to be born into the priesthood. You had to be of a Levite clan. But here it is saying, now anyone in Christ can come to King Jesus. It says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Peter is saying to the believers, you need to keep coming to Christ, who is the cornerstone. The cornerstone, since ancient times, has been a very significant stone when in used in building, in construction. It is the principal stone. It's the central point. It is the guide for the workers to, to align their course. It is the plumb line where every other stone is aligned to. It is the most important rock. And likewise, Jesus, he is the principal stone. He is our rock. He is our plumb line where everything is measured according to him and our life must come into alignment to him. He is the most solid of all rocks and his words and his thoughts are more important than anyone else's. And here... God is saying to you today, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. He was rejected by people. The workmen took one look at him and discarded him, threw him out. And you may feel the same way by these things that you have been going to. But... We don't want to be doing that any longer. Jesus was rejected again and again and again. He still is getting rejected today, even when we go to these things. We are rejecting him. But he was chosen by God, the scripture says, for great honor. And you may have been rejected by a person, a significant person in your life. You may feel like you keep getting rejected again and again. But there is a but God. But God has chosen you for great honor. You are chosen by God, priceless in God's sight. He has selected you. And you can say to yourself right now, I am chosen. Yes. Verse five, let's move on. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Though the mediation, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God, that please God. He has selected you, a beautiful stone for him, that he is building into a spiritual temple where his presence will dwell. You are a life-giving sanctuary for God's spirit. You are his church in the earth. And you are to offer up daily worship to offer up souls to God. That's the best thing that we can offer him, isn't it? Yeah. Souls to God, populating heaven, plundering hell, as Reinhard Bonnke would say. In verses 6, 7, and 8, we read Peter reminding God's people of three prophecies that were, 
were spoken hundreds of years before from Isaiah, from the psalmist, um, who said, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, a chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. The prophet said that you'd recognize him. You'd, yes, you trust him, recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And again, another one said, he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they don't obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. He's reminding them, these are prophetic words about who Jesus is that you're identifying yourself with. And he goes on, verse 9, but you are not like that, for you are who? You're a chosen people. You are a royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity. You had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So what is your identity? You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. The king of kings has chosen you. You are his son and you are his daughter. Men, if you are a son of the king, what does that make you? A prince. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Ladies, if you are a daughter of the king, what does that make you? A princess. So around us, we have princes and princesses this morning. You can say confidently, I belong to the king. He is my daddy. He loves me. He accepts me. I am chosen. This is what God says about our, ident our identity. He also says that we are royal, that we are born into a royal family. We have royal blood and that we are royal priests. So we are actually a prince who is a priest. You're a prince who is a pastor, a princess who is a pastor. That's right. All around us, we don't have just a few select pastors. When somebody asks you, how many pastors do you have at your church? You can say to them, I have, we have hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of pastors at our church. Because we do. You have a special task that you've been selected to do. You're a pastor. You're a royal pastor. Verse 9 says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We all have a responsibility as God's chosen instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others the difference that he has made in your life, the night and day difference from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. It's not just a select few, the priests, the holy ones. You are the holy ones. You are the pastors. You are the priests. You are the students who are pastors to your class. You are the childcare workers who are pastors to your center. You are business owners who are pastors to your employees. You are physios who are pastors to your clients, shop assistants who are pastors to your work colleagues. 
You are royal. You are chosen to be royal pastors. This is your identity in King Jesus. So I'm going to ask you this morning to respond to that. I'm going to ask you to get raw and to get real. What do I mean by that? To get raw, R-A-W, R is repent. Turn from the idols that you've been getting your identity from. The word of God says in Romans, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Which created thing do you need to turn away from? Which created thing do you need to turn and walk towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? What do you need to repent of today? Acts 3 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. It's time to turn, to repent. And that's where we will find freedom, where we will find refreshing, where we'll find change, breakthrough, deliverance, to stop seeking identity in the created, but to start continually coming to King Jesus every morning, every night, continually to get our identity from him. We're going to repent today. A, accept. I'm going to ask you today to accept your new identity in Jesus. Accept that you are a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the king, that you are a prince, that you are a princess. Galatians 3 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That is who you are. John 1 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is your identity. Will you accept it today? Will you make a move to accept it? Will you do something and step out and say, I am accepting my place as God's son, as God's daughter? And lastly, W. I'm going to ask you to walk a new walk from today out. As you walk out these doors, will you walk in this new identity and purpose? Will you walk as a prince who is a pastor? Will you walk out of these doors as a princess who is a pastor to your family, to your neighbours, to your friendship group? Will you? 2 Corinthians 5 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 1 Corinthians 12 says you are Christ's body. That's who you are. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part in that body does your part mean anything. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. I'm going to ask the band to come. Thanks, band. Let's get real. Let's respond today. I'm going to ask, I'm going to open up this altar area and we're going to have a time of worship and a time of response. Responding to our King is so important. 
We see in the scriptures when King Jesus came, the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't care what people thought around her. She pressed in and went through the crowd. She, she didn't care about the rules and regu regulations and how to look proper in front of other people. She wanted to press into Jesus. And I want to ask you, do you want to press into Jesus today? I think about, I think about Peter who wanted to press in and Jesus was there on the, on the water and he said, come Peter, come respond to me. And Peter responded, he stepped out of the boat into the uncomfortable and he moved towards Jesus. And this is why we open an altar this morning, because we want to move towards this new identity, move towards Jesus. Think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, this prim and proper, influential man of high regard, affluent, and he didn't care what other people thought. He, he removed himself from the crowd and stepped forward and he climbed a tree. Looked different from everyone else because he was desperate for change. He was desperate for an encounter with Jesus. And I'm believing this morning is a time of encounter with King Jesus to heal you of wounds that have come through these areas, wounds in your emotions, wounds through the words of people. And he's going to minister to you today. He's going to heal you. And you're going to have a breakthrough this morning as we worship God. So I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. I'm going to open this time of invitation. We can just start to worship the Lord, guys. And as we worship the Lord, we're going to minister to you. If you'd like to come and make a declaration, if you'd like to come to receive healing, if you'd like to come to repent and turn, if you'd like to come in an act of accepting your identity, just start to come out of your seat this morning because the Holy Spirit's here to do business.